when I discovered um, how an orphanage in Haiti was selling children for ten to fifteen thousand dollars a piece into the sex trade, I was wrecked to tears on what was happening to these kids, and I was like, God, what do you want me to do? This is the unseen story, firsthand accounts that reveal God's love and power in the lives of His children. What God has done for our storytellers, He lives to do for you. The Unseen Story is a nonprofit that relies on financial support from listeners like you. Please visit our website, theunseenstory.org, to find out how you can partner with us today. Sometimes it's our past that sets the course for our future. For Anthony, his past led him to tackle one of the world's darkest industries, sex trafficking. Find out what led him here in today's episode, Setting Captives Free. Well, hi, my name is Anthony. I'm a passionate follower of uh, Jesus, the Messiah. I am a former atheist. I've spent most of my life, uh, 24 years, with a, with a hatred, just a deep hatred for God. And by His grace and His mercy, my eyes were opened. I had an encounter with uh, Jesus Christ, um, saw Him on the cross, and I was transformed. And I now, uh, this is 12 years later, um, I have a beautiful wife. I have an amazing family. I'm a dad uh, to three amazing children and uh, have the opportunity to run an organization that my wife and I founded called 611 Network that is um, born out of Isaiah 61.1, which says he came to set the captives free. But I'll talk to you about what led to this, this point. I was raised in an amazing home uh, with parents who taught me right from wrong. They were uh, good people, lots of good experiences, and I feel incredibly blessed um, to have had the mom and dad that I had, but uh, they both had bad experiences with church and had really walked away from the Lord. And so I was raised in, in more of an atheist home. It wasn't forced down our throats, but it just, there was no talk of God in our home. And so uh, what I found through that was I did not have power to combat the forces of darkness that would come against me um, starting around the age of 13 or 14. And I lost uh, an uncle uh, to suicide. And I I realized that that was the time when I started um, using drugs and alcohol to cope with just the, the pain that was in my heart. I started to have a very low view of the value of life. And so through uh, high school and, uh, and through college, you know, I was an athlete. Um, that was my, uh, that was the idol that I worshiped. It was where I spent all of my time uh, playing basketball, had a severe injury and that to my shoulder and I could not play anymore. And so that thing that sustained me was removed and I went head first into full blown addiction. And so that began with, um, pills and, uh, other things to self-medicate and, um, and in that process, just became a different person. Um, by the mercy and by the grace of God, I, I graduated from college, but I was a full-blown functioning addict through college and uh, just completely lost. Did not know why I was here on this earth, did not want to be here. And in fact, you know, I tell people um, I was taking so many drugs, hoping that one day I wouldn't wake up. I, I didn't want to commit suicide because of Uh, what had happened with my uncle. And I knew just the pain that that brought to a family. But I know that in my heart, deep down, I didn't want to be here. Fast forward just a little bit later, uh, I (laughs) uh, back to back DUIs and uh, through that process lost my physical freedom. Um, 
I was, you know, at the time working for a professional sports organization. I had lived in this big house. I had a Lexus. I drove this fancy car. I had everything I thought would bring me joy. The things that I thought would make me a man. And uh, in, in a single day, I lost all of that. I had hit really what I thought was, you know, rock bottom. And um, that began the season when that voice uh, began to beckon me. Uh, I can remember it was August of 2007 and I just graduated from college and something in my spirit, something deep down inside said, you need to go to church. And uh, then I ignored it. And of course, God being as gracious as he is, allows me to meet a, a, a gal through work who was a Christian who invited me to go to church. And so, of course, I said yes. So probably with all the wrong intentions, but that's how good the father is. Um, I walked into a church and I'll never forget when I walked into that church with her that day. Um, I remember probably praying one of my first real prayers saying, okay, I am so broken. I am so empty. Everything I have tried has failed me in trying to get free. If there, I'm willing to accept there must be a higher power at this point because this darkness is too intense and there must be something else that can help me get out of this bondage I'm in. And I said, but I need, I need, I need help to believe how Jesus could be the only way. And I'll never forget the pastor stood up that more that morning and said, today we're going to talk about how Jesus is the only way to the Father. <laughs> and I knew that the Father was speaking to me. And so I left that that um, church service and I went to the next one the, the following week. And I said, all right, okay, I, I heard you. Jesus is the only way to the Father, but. What about um, evil and suffering, the pain that's in this world? Like, what about evil and suffering? And the, the pastor of the church stood up and he said, today, we're going to talk about how God is good amidst evil and suffering. And I literally almost fell face first on the floor and, and I literally had tears and, and I just listened. And he just unpacked beautifully the goodness and the mercy of God, the sovereignty of God, even amidst the greatest darknesses that, that exist in the earth. And I felt him speak over me, you're free. Like, I forgive you. That's why my son went to the cross. That's why Jesus had to die so that I could separate your sin as far as the East is from the West. And so I gave my life to Jesus uh, in the spring of 2008. And one of the most amazing stories that happened right after that was I still had to go do jail time for the DUIs. I'd been going to court and, and all of those things at this time. And uh, I remember walking to check into the jail and I, and I prayed, I said, God, I said, I'm scared of doing this. I'm scared of going to have to sit in jail, but I need you um, to make yourself known to me in this. Um, I can't go into this you know, cell alone. And I went and checked in and it was into this room with, you know, there was 40, 50 bunks in this room. Um, and I go in there and they assign me to a bed and I go to that bed and sitting on the bed that I'm assigned to is a study Bible of the book of Ephesians. And one of the first lines in it was talking about how Paul had written this from a Roman prison. It was so strong in my spirit. I heard him say these words to me. He said, you are more free right now than you ever were on the outside. And I just wept. I sat there and I knew he was going before me, that this was part of my journey, as painful as it was in that process, um, going to that, to that jail cell that just firmly rooted me in Christ and, and understood what true freedom was about. And I had this passion for freedom from that point forward. That was a passion um, of mine was because I knew I was spiritually a slave for 24 years and what it meant to be spiritually set free. Uh, and so shortly thereafter, had a had a really rough experience in the fall of 2008 where I had relapsed. 
cursed God and got you know really angry and and basically you know I think the enemy came full force to try to steal what God had done and I ended up in a in a rehab facility. That was my ultimate low. The, the, the memories are a bit hazy from that 24-hour period, but I went into the room, the bedroom that I was in that night, and I laid face down on the floor. And this is where my memory really comes back to me. I laid face on the floor and I cried and cried and screamed at the heavens, God, I need you. Like, I'm so sorry. I like just wept and I felt the weight of my sin. Like it was like boulders on me. And I'll tell you, it was the guilt and the shame that caused me to continue to go back to the things, the drugs, the alcohol, all those things. It was guilt and shame from the things I had done in my life. And it was this vicious cycle. And I heard God say to me, Anthony, do you want these boulders removed? And I said, yes, Lord, you know, I want these removed. And I can't, I'll try to describe it, but I literally felt hands come down, reach down and lift these boulders off of my shoulders as I'm laying on the ground. And I stood up and I felt like I was physically forgiven. And I saw Jesus Christ, like I had this like vision. I don't know, it's again, don't know how to describe, but I saw Jesus hanging on the cross and I saw the eyes, like the eyes of the father. And, and, I, heard the, and I heard the Lord say, this is why my son went to the cross because I wanted to breathe into you the breath of life. And that was my, um, that was my sobriety date. That was the day that the Lord changed my life. Um, pornography fell away uh, within a month or two after that completely. So I've been 100% sober from pornography for, for almost, 12 years now. The drugs were gone. Um, the alcohol was gone. Um, God just delivered me. And it was almost like I saw chains in the spirit when I was in that room and I felt the sword come down and it just separated them. And it just set me free again. I felt light on my feet and I had a joy. I had a supernatural peace I can't describe. And so as, as somebody with with the testimony of having been a slave, of a slave for 24 years in a spiritual sense, when I discovered through a documentary a friend had given me about um, how an orphanage in Haiti was um, selling children for ten dollars to $15,000 a piece into the sex trade, through that, God said, Anthony, this is your life's mission. I was wrecked to tears on what was happening to these kids. And I was like, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to reach out to organizations that are already fighting sex trafficking and ask them how you can help. And so we started to fund um, rescues. So we, I started calling and talking to all these different groups. There were safe houses and I was um, helping assist with you know, funding those and things like that. I tried to volunteer and no doors would open for volunteering. And, and I was like, God, why are no doors opening for volunteering? And he said, it's because I don't want you to volunteer at another organization. I want you to found one. What he said to me was this. He said, um, human trafficking is the Goliath of our generation and I will slay um, the Goliath of human trafficking. But when I do it, I will get the glory. He said, we will, you will slay the Goliath of human trafficking in the name of Jesus. He said, that's what I want. I want you to build a network of Holy Spirit led abolitionists that you stand against the Goliath of human trafficking in the name of Jesus and you will see it fall. And so uh, we set out and launched this organization two years ago. Um, and God has done incredible things through the work. Um, Isaiah 61.1 is the founding verse. So the organization 611 Network, if you're familiar with that scripture, that is the scripture that Jesus quotes in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4 when he stands up and he reads from the Torah scroll. He reads from, from the scroll of Isaiah, uh, opens to six, uh, chapter 61, and he says these words. He says, the spirit of Yahweh is upon me. 
because Yahweh has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. So, so many people will focus on ending human trafficking, but what really needs to happen is people need to focus on building God's temple and recognize who they are. They are living stones. And if they just do that, they can be part of the freedom movement. So that's a charge. That is when, when God says to us, you seek personal freedom in Christ, because that's the best way you can get involved in combating the sex trade. We, and we're seeing it. We're seeing men whose hearts are being transformed, who are turning away from being the ones like myself, a perpetrator of somebody who did exploit women and children through things like pornography, becoming those who would become the Holy Spirit led abolitionists now fighting the thing that they once fueled. And that is a testimony, not of how good that man is, but of how good that, that the God is who can transform that man. That's the power because God gets the glory, not not me, not anybody else, not 611. It's that God, Yahweh, and his son, Jesus Christ, who is the visible image of the invisible God, he gets the glory. The purpose of man on planet earth is to reflect the image of God, to be the treasured possession of God. And so because of the fall, there's been a fracture. That image of God has been stolen. And it's, there's no uh, issue on planet earth, in my opinion, that highlights that more than the issue of child sex trafficking. God grieves over the, even Jeffrey Epstein, who is probably one of the most prolific pedophiles in the history of the world. This man was so wounded and abused as a child himself that he became the perpetrator. This is the story across pretty much, I'd say probably a hundred percent of traffickers is they themselves were abused as children or they looked at pornography. That was uh, spoken in a documentary. Um, that a man who was leading the child sex trafficking task force for the government said when he would interview um, child sex traffickers and ask them, how did this begin? That they had the same story. I looked at pornography when I was 11 or 10 or whatever, and that led them down a path of perversion. Now I need to look at pornography with younger, 18, barely legal. Now it's children. Pornography does not always lead to child pornography, but it's always the con it's always the gateway drug. And so what God wants to do is he wants to take the woman who is working in pornography and he wants to encounter her with the love of Jesus and the supernatural grace of God and restore to her the image of God that has been broken by men who have, have not spoken her worth and have not called forth over her. This is who you are. You are here to reflect God's image. You are not here to be my servant, to fulfill some kind of satanic desire in myself for power, money, greed, control, all of that. Men have fueled this and they have distorted the image of God. But the good news is the scripture says, I, Jesus says, I will restore all things in heaven and on earth. That is what we are after. And that sounds like a, a, a mighty and high calling, and it is. But God can do anything to anybody at any time. No one is too far gone. No trafficker is too far gone. No survivor is too far gone. No one has experienced too much complex trauma that the blood of Jesus cannot heal. We encourage you to ask Holy Spirit what He wants to say to you through this story. We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share His stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. 
For more information,